Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas, featuring biblical teaching and preaching from God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word. If you live in the Panhandle area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you at First Baptist Church. We meet every Lord's Day for Sunday school at 9 a.m. and morning worship at 10.30 a.m. We also have midweek discipleship opportunities for all ages on Wednesdays. For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. The origin of of this study that we're looking at today and, and all of these lunch studies begins back when Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. And Moses was a shepherd, and we see a theme of shepherds all throughout the history of, of Israel. But Moses, when he was out tending his sheep, he observed a bush that was on fire. It, of course, caught his attention, and so he went to investigate it, and from the bush came a voice. And that voice identified itself as the God of his ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And it was important that he identify himself in that way. He wasn't the God of Abraham and Ishmael, or Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. He was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through that line. And that was important because the others had, had drifted and, and began worshiping other gods. Ishmael and Esau's descendants... They had many gods, and each, each one of those gods was in charge of one aspect of, of nature or of human existence. Each one of those gods did something or was in charge of something. Some of them were the, that we read about were like Baal, who was the god of storms and rain and plant reproduction. Um, Astarte, the goddess of war and sexual love. Um, Asherah, the goddess of the sea and human fertility. Chemosh, the fish god of the Moabites. Dagon, the, the god of crops and fertility um, for the Philistines, specifically grain for the Philistines. Molech, who was the Canaanite god of human sacrifices, the one who people ladies would put their their babies in the burning hands of Molech so that he could supposedly bless them because of their sacrifice but that list goes on and on and on and that doesn't even begin to to talk about the Egyptian gods they had a huge pantheon of gods as well so when Moses asks this voice who is talking to him And he says, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell him? And that is a legitimate question that Moses asks this voice. It was understandable that he would ask that. Of what are you the God of? What's, what's, how are you identified? And so God's response was, I am who I am. Or it could be interpreted, I will be who I will be. Or, I was who I was. It's, it's all tenses, and we derive from that 
the name Yahweh or Yehovah, Jehovah, is what we get from that I am statement. But considering that, that begs the question. God always has been and always will be, but what? What will he, was he, and what will he be always? Jesus said in Matthew 5.17, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So, Jesus came to expound on what had previously been written. So God says, I have always been, I am, and I will always be. Jesus came to explain what he was, is, and will be. And when Jesus claimed his deity, when he, when he proclaimed, pronounced that he was God, he did it with these seven I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. That's what we studied last week. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. And so Jesus said these things to clarify for us who God is, what his intentions are, what he is the God of, what God was, what God is, and what God will always be. And these are unchanging truths. These are laws that that will not change they have been true from before eternity and into eternity they are not dependent upon opinions truths do not depend on opinions they are completely independent and they don't change so today's i am eternal truth comes from john 10 and we will look in verses 10 through 18 of john chapter 10 And it reads, and this, this kind of starts where Pastor Matt ended last week, so I wanted to kind of make a transition, so we'll start in verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So looking in these verses, first of all, Jesus tells us what he is not. Starting in verse 10, he tells us he is not the thief, that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, that he came to have abundant life. He contrasts his mission, his intentions, with Satan's mission, his truth with Satan's truth. 
And Jesus also says in verse 12 that he is not the hired hand or the employee. If the thief is Satan, then who is the hired hand of whom he is speaking? Consider the employee or the hired hand, consider what their investment is into their job. They are employed for a paycheck to benefit themselves only. That's the only reason why they are employed. And so you might think that this employee of whom Jesus is speaking is a, is a bad employee. Obviously, he's not a very good employee, and you're right. The employee has no interest in, in the well-being of the sheep. He only has interest in what's going to benefit him, the paycheck. This is the employee who enjoys the title but not the work, enjoys the accolades but not the job. He's ready to leave at the first sign of discomfort or personal loss. The hired hand of whom Jesus is speaking is the religious leaders of the day. All of those Sadducees who were in, they were, many of them were the, the scribes, the Levites, the Pharisees. They were, enjoyed the title, they enjoyed the benefits, enjoyed everybody looking up to them and having power and influence. But they didn't really care about the sheep. They were ready to, to guard their own interest and bail out at the first sign of any kind of trouble. This is not Jesus. He gives us this contrast. This is not his eternal truth. So number one is, he is not the thief or the hired hand. He is, was, and will be the good shepherd. Matthew chapter 9, when Jesus was going around healing people, teaching, um, and he was amazing everybody at, at what he was doing. And it says in verse 36 of, of Matthew 9, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Harassed through temptation from Satan helpless and without any say or influence due to the religious leaders who only cared about themselves, only cared about what was going to benefit them, the hired hands. So Jesus exclaims this truth, this I am statement, I was and I will be forever the good shepherd. It was always his plan from the beginning into eternity and always will be to shepherd his flock. He owns the sheep, and he cares for the sheep. Not just a shepherd, but a good shepherd. And that good means noble, upright, with the interests of the sheep, the well-being of the sheep at heart. Last week we saw the image of the shepherd opening the door to the pen to provide safety for the, the sheep, opening the door so that the sheep have a safe place to go, to give them rest and to give them safety. That was the emphasis of last week, that he had the authority to open that door. But now we see that not only is he the door, not only did he have the authority to open that door and be that gateway to safety, but now we get an even more complex image. The image of the shepherd going out to retrieve and fight for the sheep. Not just being the, the 
path where they can come for safety, but those who don't hear the voice, he goes and gets. In Luke 15, he tells the parable of leaving the 99 for the one to go pursue that one who was lost. Not only is he the door, the door that, that provides eternal safety, that, that one who is authorized to open the door, but then he also goes after those who are lost and helps them find their way back to safety. That's what Christ's mission was, not just to have the authority to open the door, but then to pursue those who, who didn't find their way to the door. And what a comfort that is for us. He's not indifferent. You know, Allah in, in Islam, he is an absolutely indifferent God. If you're good enough, then I'll let you in. I'll put your good works on this side of the scale. I'll put your bad works on this side of the scale. Whichever way it tips, so be it. That's the indifference of Allah. And Christ is the good shepherd who loves and cares for his flock, who pursues them, goes after them, and isn't afraid to die for them. But if Christ only died, he would be a martyr, not a savior. Number one is he is not the thief. He's not the hired hand. Point number two, he pursues the sheep at any cost, ready and willing to die for the sheep's safety. And we know, of course, that he did on the cross. And then number three, he has the authority to bring life to the dead. Verse 18, speaking of his life in there in John chapter 10, he says, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. It's one thing to be willing to, to do something. I am willing to intervene. I would like to intervene to stop the war in Ukraine. But I don't have the authority to do it. Nobody cares what I think, and nobody's going to listen to me. But the creator of heaven and earth was not only willing to lay down his life for you and I, he had the authority to then take it up again. In the, uh, the fifth inning of Game 3 in the 1932 World Series at Wrigley Field in Chicago, the Babe Ruth pointed to center field, indicating not only that he was going to hit a home run, but showing where that home run was going to go over the fence. And it was at the longest part of the field, in center. And he delivered. He did it. He called his shot, and he came through. Jesus, the good shepherd, who cares for all of his sheep, who pursues his sheep, who laid down his life for his sheep, also called his shot. In John chapter 2, verse 19, Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. All authority over everything in heaven and on earth was granted to the one who cares for you. It's On the one hand, we have the one with all authority, all power, 
and we stand in awe of it. But that same individual cares enough to leave the 99 and come after the one. He is not just the shepherd, the good shepherd. We don't deserve that. We don't deserve that kind of love. And if he cared enough to die for you, and he has the authority then to raise himself, he also promises life everlasting for those who follow him. He is the good shepherd. He was the good shepherd. He will be the good shepherd. That is his eternal truth. It doesn't end when our life ends. He will continue to shepherd us for all eternity. The way that they shepherd in the Middle East is different than the way that, that we do with cattle, especially here. They don't drive from the rear. They lead from the front. So it only makes sense that Christ, being the first to raise himself, showing his authority, we all then would follow. This truth cannot be altered. It doesn't matter what our opinion is. It is independent of what anybody thinks. It is truth. He is the good shepherd. That is who he is. That is what he does. And it always has been. It is. And it always will be. It's a truth that can't be altered by opinion. It doesn't matter if you agree with it or disagree with it. It's like gravity. Gravity doesn't care what your opinion is. It's going to happen. And it is everlasting. And we are assured, if you look on further into the chapter, in verses 28 and 29, that nothing can snatch us out of the hand of God. That everything that God has has been given to Christ and nothing can take us out of his hands. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want for anything. That is an incredible truth that we can hold on to. That is God's truth of who he is and the provision he has made for us. And that's an incredible truth that we are so fortunate to get to be his sheep. Father, we thank you that we are your sheep that you have chosen us from before time and that we can rest assured on the promise that you will lead us and that we will have want for nothing father we thank you for the love you show us help us in turn to show that love to others to show that grace and forgiveness to others and forgive us when we fall short in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604. We'll see you next time.